Hey, what's up, View? Uh, thank y'all for tuning in. Listen, we're going to do uh, a couple of different things as we uh, kind of sift through this time where we we aren't meeting together uh, in actual spaces. So we're going to come to you with some podcasts, some, some videos, just things like that. And really, our goal, our hope is that we can keep you guys connected uh, to what we're doing, but also keep you connected to the larger body. I mean, church is moving so fast right now. One of the things I love and I've been seeing this a lot lately, is is that when churches are leaning into the season, they're posting things online, they're reaching out to, to people who need help. Like, it's beautiful to watch the church actually be mobilized uh, and be the church. So uh, we're going to do our part our part to uh, to come at uh, this time of social d- distancing with some, um, some content that's really going to be intriguing. It's going to be interesting, and I, I hope it helps you grow. Uh, so if you like this, make sure you, you stay tuned to our podcast. Uh, keep connecting with our uh, Instagram page our YouTube channel is coming soon so um, just be here be engaged and and let's spend this time where we can't hang out uh, online together uh, growing and I think it's going to be great Uh, so today we are continuing our series called Why God it's just going to look different Uh, last week we did it uh, via watch parties on Instagram live this week we're coming to you live with a podcast I got a special guest coming today I think you're going to love this Uh, when he comes to view he's awesome I'm pretty sure I have coined the nickname the Asian persuasion so if I've said that and you're like oh Pastor Danny's coming (laughs) get ready Um, so today joining us we've got the Asian persuasion my favorite uh, college pastor out right now, Pastor Danny Thayer. Cue the applause in the podcast thing. Yeah. Danny, how you doing? You good? I'm good. I'm good. We made it out of the last, we made the last plane out of Honduras off the mission trip. And so I am, I am happy to be in the United States right now. Yeah, that's for all of our listeners. Just so y'all know, Danny almost was quarantined out of the country. He got the last flight out of Honduras. Uh, Danny, what were you guys doing in the middle of a coronavirus out of the country? Just explain that part to us. Oh, we were we were being out of our mind. That's what we were doing. But no, <laughs> we uh, we went for seven days in Honduras uh, to a really remote part of the country, and uh, City Hope supports a jungle hospital that's there. And what the Jungle Hospital does is it also it's a center for teachers conferences and, and ministry to remote villages. We even they discovered a village that roads don't even go to that was a wow. 10 hour hike over a mountain crest. And so that's what we did on one of the days is we went and actually took the gospel, took prayer, took God to, to a place where roads don't even reach. And so it was it was worth the risk for sure. And I'm, I can say that because we're out. Um, yeah, if yeah. we were doing this podcast with me from Honduras, it may be a little bit different of a tone. Most definitely. And just to clarify, I know people heard Jungle Hospital. We're not promoting uh, climate change. This is not a hospital for the actual jungle. They're saying <laughs> this is for the people of that that space that are are in a remote village. And I know uh, we've Ooh, taken a few trips there. Replanting our wounded our wounded rainforest. Right. That's not what's happening there. Um, <laughs> no, that's great. But glad to have you back in the country. So you're safely quarantined. Correct? you're following all the cdc guidelines absolutely me and my dog walter um we're uh we're hanging out and (laughs) being treated like lepers by the world but get safe (laughs) keeping the world safe now where's your wife right now because i know um i know she's pregnant so you're you're not near her are you (laughs) can i take a pass on that okay yeah let's keep Um, (laughs) (laughs) all right next question so (laughs) 
well, let's uh, social let's, responsibility, but not familial responsibility. I get right? it. I get it. No, I get it. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, anyway, Danny, we're, we've been in a series for a week uh, called "Why God," and it's um, it's been uh, awesome. Last week was great. We did a watch party, and we kind of opened up this topic of uh, a why God. And last week was just to intro this, and it was basically uh, why we believe that God exists. And Ben Mayfield told a, a, a really beautiful story. But this week we're coming at it with a, a little bit different of a language. So the questions I'm going to ask you uh, today are uh, really revolving around this one massive question. I think a lot of people right now have, and this is not just people that don't believe in God, but this is also people that do believe in God. Uh, I hear this from Christians all the time. This is the question they ask me. They say, Pastor Jeremy, why does God let bad things happen to good people. And I'm sure you've heard that before. I think there's a lot of different takes on this, but um, just to open it up, Danny, uh, let's start with a hard question. man. Why does God let uh, bad things happen to good people? Well, you know, this is, this is a, this is actually a really personal question. Um, being that, and I, I want to take a personal angle at this as well, because I think this is a question that trips a lot of people up. Um, either, they don't know how to answer it, or this is what causes a hiccup in them having faith in God. Um, and so let me just take it back a little bit in my life. I had a very different upbringing than, than many, many individuals listening to this podcast. Um, I grew up with a mother that was raised in Laos, the country sandwiched right between Vietnam and, and, and Thailand. And um, she grew up in a little village there uh, during the Vietnam War. And you want to talk about a, a mom who had you know, you couldn't throw any kind of excuses at her because of her being raised in a third world nation. That was, that was my mother. Uh, you know, no, mom, algebra's hard. You know, it's hard planning rice patties by hand. That's hard. <laughs> you don't get, you got nothing. You got nothing to say to that whatsoever. I had a bad day. You know, it was a bad day when an American bomber dropped a bomb on my house and we had to fill up the, the crater that was left with water, stock it with fish and give the pond over to the village for its fishing pond that's that's a bad day um and so oh I, I don't i don't think i was raised with uh, around a lot of understanding my mom was five feet zero of lava she escaped uh she escaped the communist regime when she was 15 took her four little brothers and sisters and escaped over the border into thailand into a united nations refugee camp um survived malaria because she's she was just that stubborn um, and, uh, earned plane tickets for her and her brothers and sisters to the United States, um, out of that refugee camp. And, and she was, she was an incredible woman, um, uh, spoke five languages, which is brilliant. Um, and I was, I was raised by her and my dad. Um, and then about my, my sophomore year, um, her, her hands stopped, stopped functioning the way they should. They, they thought it was carpal tunnel. They even, they did a, even did a carpal tunnel like surgery on the hands and um, didn't fix it. And so they did further tests and they misdiagnosed her with MS. Um, and before long, her hands just completely stopped working and then her forearms stopped to kind of function. And so we took her to the Mayo Clinic and uh, she was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. Um, and most people know that as the, the thing that people were doing the ice bucket challenge for, but no one really knew what it was for. Um, and it's in short, it's a disease where the nerves in your body stop functioning and bit by bit, your body just stops working until finally it makes it all the way to either a vital organ or a heart. And you're just kind of a prisoner trapped in your own body. Your, your mind strangely stays completely intact. 
um, during the whole thing. And uh, you're, most people who, who get diagnosed with ALS, um, they, they only have it for three years before they pass. Uh, my mom nearly set a North American record. She had it for eight years. Oh, wow. And um, let me ask I, you this, Dan. Uh, I have a, you, were, I, you were how yeah. old at this time? I was a junior or sophomore, junior in high school, right around there. So your headspace was, uh, I'm going to junior prom. Just kidding. I've got to deal with this massive crisis in my family. How did that grow you up? Did that change your your outlook on on life? Obviously, spirituality. But w- what did that do for you as a as a 16, yeah, 15, well, 16 year old kid? <laughs> um, I think people who I think people whose parents or have, have a parent or sibling who who've gone through a terminal illness can really relate to. The, the, the fact that it's not a conscious decision to grow up immediately, um, you just, it, it's just kind of that kind of tragedy kind of makes you put away the toys. It makes you, it makes you put away kind of some juvenileness. And so, um, I, I think I got, I got real serious real early in life. Um, and I've, man, I've, I've got, I've got such a wonderful family and I have actually two younger sisters who were, who were heroes through the middle of this because they were the ones that had to, kind of care for my mom when, when no one else could had to learn how to bathe their mother and, and, and change my mother and, 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 you know, work her feeding tube. And, and, um, I guess this question just really kind of relates to my mom's my mom's condition, the whole thing that happened because the question, why does God let bad things happen to good people? It kind of determined where I went spiritually, where my, my, my middle sister went spiritually and my youngest sister went spiritually. Um, and this question sent us in three completely different directions. For me, um, it was a, it was a question that the answer really drove me closer to God, um, and, and, and drove me to the shadow of his wings. Uh, my youngest sister, it kind of put her in limbo. She didn't, she didn't know what to do, what to believe, what to think. And, and so she just kind of didn't make any decisions. And, and for our middle sister, um, I would say it led to a, a near rejection of the faith. Um, where, where this was something that she just, she couldn't reconcile in her head and her mind, this, even the wording of this question. And so, um, man, when, 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 when you bring this question up, Jared, um, and it's, it's personal for sure. It's, it's real personal. And I've, I've, I've developed some strong feelings about this question, even the wording of this question, Right. you know, for sure. And I, yeah. I, I think too, um, when you have a family situation like you had, I think what what is kind of evident is that there are three distinct possibilities that you can take a question like this. And correct me if I'm wrong, Danny, you and your sisters are, are pretty much still in that same place right now, right? Yeah, I would say that that's, that's pretty much where we remain. And I think when you have to, to ask yourself this question, this is not one of those things that you get taught in uh, in Sunday school or, or something that you learn just by reading the Bible or, or going to church. Like this is a life altering question. And I, I feel like if uh, the church is going to be the church today, we have to be able to answer this question with conviction, but also for me, and, and I've seen the way that you've talked about your, uh, your sisters before. And I remember uh, you talking about the, the little wins that you have with them when you are able to show them the gospel. I remember us talking about this at the mobile campus. This was years ago. You were just yeah. talking about the little, it was right before one of your sisters got married and you were just talking about the little wins that were, that were happening. And uh, I think 
we do have to answer this question with conviction, but there's also a level of understanding going, man, tragedy does strike. It's real. And it's not just, uh, it's not just isolated to people that do bad things, man. Tragedy happens to everybody. Uh, I don't think there's one person who who is outside of the, the reach of, of bad things happening, which I think is, is what lays the foundation of this story of this question. Does that make sense? That, that makes great sense, actually. And you, you, I mean, you are a pastor, but you've got the heart of a pastor. And, and, and it's to see, you know, sometimes it, it's seeing tragedy, whether we consider it something as large as a parent having ALS to something as, as, as that others may consider trivial. Man, this stuff, this question will pop up in every person's life, either firsthand or secondhand. It just will. For sure. I, I remember for, for me, it was uh, when I was 18 going off to college. My brother was a, a college af- athlete uh, on a full scholarship running track for Northwestern. And uh, we got a, a diagnosis that he had been diagnosed with cancer. And um, that was the massive question. Like my dad's a pastor. My family is is quote unquote good people. And uh, we have this massive crisis ahead of us. Uh, my brother got cancer at 19 years old. So God, if you're real, that's what, that was my question at the time. If you're real, uh, how is this a possibility? Like what part did you play? in? was this your fault? Did you cause this? And then if you grew up in Baptist church, like me, you, you'll, you'll think that, man, God did this as a test, right? But how selfish it is to think, well, God gave my brother cancer to test my faith. That's not what happened. Dan. Does that make sense? I feel like that's how we reconcile things sometimes like this bad thing happened to these people because God was testing my faith. That's not at all uh, how this is supposed to be um, seen by Christians or, or just by people in general. But I feel like oftentimes when tragedy strikes, it's like we either say, man, this is a test from God or I hate God. He did this. There's no room for any other explanation or anything else that's going to help us understand or try to filter through what's actually happening. Man, that's the tragedy with quick answers. You know, sometimes we're the safest within quick answers. Like, well, you know, God has a plan or this or that. And uh, man, I want to, I want to tell you like this, (laughs) how you answer this question will shape your view of God. That's why it had such these three, such diverse, you know, effects on, on me and my two sisters, um, because it does come down to how one person views God. And, and so, man, I, this question, why does God let bad things happen to good people? Man, I like diving into this question. Um, you know, every question makes a statement of fact. It, it, it really does. Um, you, every question, whether you know it or not, establishes a fact within the question. And it's, it, it's really interesting because I think that we let this question get away with way too much. Yeah. Um, this is a this is a flawed question, a flawed statement. Uh, Jared, let me just bounce some some flawed statements at you. And you're you're a brilliant person. You've got you've got a very high IQ. Just real Thank quick, you. when I toss <laughs> a statement at you, tell me tell me what the problem is with it. Okay, okay. so I'm going to make a statement. The first statement is my brother is an only child. It's flawed because my brother has a brother. I'm a brother. <laughs> Very good. Very good. All right. So now next couple of, next couple are a little, little less just, off. Just so my listeners know, you, I, know, I have not, I have not heard these questions before. So if I, if I get embarrassed, there was no pre <laughs> anything. Danny did not tell me about these questions. So I'm a little nervous. Go ahead. 
Quit being nervous. You got it. Hey, Jared, you're brilliant. If you get one of these wrong, you're not. So go ahead. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that's all right. We can always edit this. Uh, all right. So anyways, the next, the next question is, or the next statement is this. Question all authority. Question all authority. Okay. What's the problem? Question all authority. If you question all authority, then what's right, right? Like if there is nothing right, then when you question, there'll be nothing to question because everything is right. Yeah, pretty much. Exactly. And not only that, a question all authority is a command. A command only comes from authority. Ah, um, that's, you know, and, that's good. And, and, that's good. And, yeah. And then the last one, the last one I'll throw at you is the statement, there is no truth. Then that'd be the truth. There is no truth being the truth would in turn make that fault. Exactly. I'm trying to give you a truth. Right. Right. But it, it, it can't be a truth if there is no truth. Therefore, yeah. It, it, and so some things just, just kind of crumple in on themselves when you take a look at them. And it, when you break down this question, why does God let bad things happen to good people? What, what you, what you come up with is you kind of have three different parts of this, of this question. And the three different parts are flawed. This is actually one of the most flawed questions that one can have. And, and, and just if I could just walk you through my journey of just kind of how I took a look at this, the first part of that question is why does God let? And there is a huge, huge problem with that. And it comes down to how God decided to set up the world. Um, you know, the thing is, is that God, God could create the world when, when he created the world, he could have created it with any kind of system whatsoever. He could have created it on any kind of railing or any kind of anything, the rules in which the creation would operate on. And we see something really interesting. We see God make man, we see God make woman. And then in Genesis chapter two, uh, verse nine, we see him do something really interesting. We see him place two trees in the middle of the garden. We see him placing the tree of life in the garden, which he commanded man to eat from. And then we also see another tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which was the forbidden tree. It was the tree that they were not supposed to eat from. They were, they were not to take the fruit. They were not to eat the fruit. They were not to share the fruit. They, were not, they, they, they weren't supposed to. And what we see here is we see that God creates an interesting scenario because Jared who created the tree that was forbidden for them to eat from? Yeah, God did. God did for sure. God did. And so then one has to ask themselves a question. Why on earth would God make a tree that was forbidden for them to eat from? And, and, and the answer is, yeah. Can I just insert real quick? I love yeah, that. Yeah. I love that part when when you just open that up, and I'm excited to hear where you go from there. There's going to be a lot of people that ask the question about the creation story. I love where you're taking this because oftentimes what we look at in answering this question is what's presently happening around us. Danny, I love that you're going back to the creation story to tell us where our future's headed. Um, because when God created these two trees, it wasn't about what you can and can't do because honestly, man, God wanted them to, to have the knowledge of good and evil. Maybe not at that time, not at, at that moment, but God eventually wants all of us to, to carry that wisdom. We're just not ready for it yet. Um, 
and in in asking this question, that's what he's talking about. It's like, how do you how do you reconcile having the knowledge of why this happened to one? If you really knew the answer, would you be as as uh, as honest and upfront with that question as you previously has been? I'm I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about that the 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 two trees, man. That's a great analogy for where we're headed in this conversation. But but continue. Yeah, no, you're you're exactly on when 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 you're describing creation, when you're describing what God did with these two trees, it's important to visualize and then begin to ask questions like that. Um, that's that's absolutely huge. That's that's how the Word of God kind of comes alive is when you begin to visualize the actual settings that these things took place in. And so uh, ultimately, you see that God created free will right from the beginning. That man was given a choice. It, it, right. It's kind of absurd. To think about a professor giving a multiple choice test and you look down at the multiple choices and there's only A. There's no B, there's no C, there's no D, there's no E, there's only A. Now, some of us would have really liked for our ACTs to have operated like that. Uh, but at the same time, the thing is, is that that choice cannot exist outside of a choice to reject. Right. And free will cannot exist outside of a, a, the the ability or or the possibility of somebody choosing to reject, and so God God chose to create beings that would have free will. And here is how secure our God is, because our God is not some insecure God. God God set it up that they could perfectly choose with their own will. They could freely choose to reject Him. Right. That is. I mean that 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 takes I mean those, that takes some onions, man. I, I, like that right. that is a that is a secure God because and ultimately, let me tell you something. Yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, no. It, it, and when you think about how secure he is, this th- looking at free will also affects how you see worship. Why? Because why would God create worship? if we had no choice in the matter. And I was, like, I was uh, honestly was, going there because what you're saying is, is, is it, you're asking this question, why does bad things happen to good people? Well, the bigger question is if we were good, why do good people choose bad things? Because ulti- yes. ultimately, if, if God created us as human beings with a choice to choose good, what you're really saying is, do you choose God or the alternative? So the massive question we have to, and when we sin, what we're basically saying is, I'm my own God because I'm going to decide, therefore, what is good. Yep. And, and, and to look at it, he's given us that choice. Right. He's given us that choice to put whoever we want on the throne of our hearts whether it would be ourselves, which we make terrible masters. Right. Like we are, we are, I've never met a human that would make a good master ever. And, and, and it's either that or God, one of the two. And man, you take a look and, and I, I take a look at some of the thinking that some people, some people propose about God and how he created the world and how there is no free choice and how everything you do is, is, is you have no say in it whatsoever. And it makes me think of that, that, that God in that, in that scenario, that God created the world like Walt Disney created Walt Disney World with his animatronics. And what we're doing is we're simply doing what we've been pre-programmed to do, and we have no say in the matter whatsoever. Therefore, if you view God that way, worship is an act of self-absorption, and, and, and hell is a very unjust place where God punishes you for what he made you do. Right. And, 
And so it is a, it's a very interesting thing, but I, I, I believe scripture is so clear and so evident that the testimony of God's word is that God looked at us and said, I want you to be able to choose whether you're going to follow me or not. You're going to obey me or not. You're going to worship me or not. You're going to love me or not. And so with this question, why does God let bad things happen to good people? That question's flawed because God has placed the free will into the hands of man to where, Jared, I could wrong you if my will so wanted to, you know, like I could, I, I, I could, I could smash the windows of your car if I wanted to. Easy. And the Easy. thing is, is that, yeah, yeah. And, and, and so that even brings us to, and Jared, have you ever heard this question before where, well, what about all the atrocities? What, what about the Holocaust? What about a few years ago? What about the tsunami or what about the people who are dying from this or that in the world? What about the starving or the tragedies in this world? Well, that was actually Um, my next question is going, how do I, now, how do I view you? You're saying the things that, that. I do are bad, but how do I view all the, how do I view coronavirus? Like this is obviously not, uh, uh, the perfect will of God for this to happen. How do, how do I view that now if bad things are happening in my world? That was actually my, I'm I'm glad we're on the same wavelength. Yeah. Yeah. That's the right question. Um, there was a movie that came out a few years ago, an absolutely horrible movie, just not content wise. It was just poorly done. Um, but it had one redeeming scene. It is the movie Noah. Um, and I don't, Darby, I don't know if you like that or not, but I've like, never seen I, it. I do like I, Christian Bale though. Batman is Noah kind no, of freaked like me Christian out a little bit. I, I like Ford versus Ferrari. Good movie. Okay. Um, and Russell Crowe was in that as well. And you got to love the guy, but the movie itself was a flop, but there was a scene early on before the flood where Noah is walking around with one of his sons and they come upon an animal that had been just not only killed, but just mutilated, the body mutilated by somebody who was just very twisted. And it was, and, and the boy looks up at the father and he says this, he looks at Noah and he says, why, why did, why did God allow this? Why did God do this? And, and Noah stops him in mid sentence. And he says, son, God didn't do this. We did this. We wow. did all this. And when you take a look at our broken, fallen world, when you look at tragedy in the world, when you look at the evil and the darkness in the world, Jared, we did this. We, we did yeah, this. God yeah. set up this beautiful, beautiful plan. Not only that, this beautiful creation. We were never meant to, we're, we were never meant to die. We were never, we were never meant to be sick. Our genetic code was never meant to mutate to where somebody is suddenly needing chemotherapy because they have cancer. Uh, we, we did this, we introduced rebellion and sin into this world. And so right now what we have is we have this world and, and it sounds pretty depressing to just kind of leave it, leave it on that. But here's the thing is that God, God didn't leave it on that. God didn't abandon us to this mess. Now I, when people kind of cross me, my first reaction, Jared, is to get petty. Like I, I can be petty. Like there is pettiness that I still as a pastor, there is pettiness that I fight, and I have to fight hard. But God, looking at a, a creation that chose to rebel, that chose to choose themselves, chose to choose their own their own interests over Him, God could have easily abandoned us to our mess. But instead, God determined that He would send what was most precious to Him for our ransom to fix this, and that's. That's ultimately what drove me back to God is that exploring 
all of this and looking at tragedy and looking at pain and looking at injustice and looking at all these things in this world that God didn't abandon me to this mess, but he reached his hand into a broken creation and he still does every single day. And he reaches it towards us and he says, here I am. I'm not sending a solution. I will be a solution. Right. Because enter into this story, just exactly what you're talking about. Enter into the story, Jesus. Most people look at the God that we're talking about and they say, man, that's bad philosophy to think that if there really was a quote unquote good God, why in the world would he let this world get to this point? And I think, again, like you said, that's that's flawed philosophy simply because if God were good, he'd have no choice but to let this world get this flawed because people chose the opposite. But what shows God's goodness is not his inability to let bad things happen. What shows God's goodness is his response, which was Jesus. And that's, that's what's so beautiful about this question is that it gives room for us to actually explain, no, 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 look, you're asking the right question just in in the wrong way, which is, look, I, I know you're looking at all the bad stuff going, Hey, God is, God is bad because he's letting bad things happen. And I'm going, no, God is good because even in the midst of the bad, he did something so much more powerful. What's that? Well, he sent his son to die. And now that is where uh, this idea of, of proof or apologetics really comes in, which is what this series is about. It's like, well, if we want to debate the existence of Jesus, we can do that. But what's more beautiful is if people are genuinely having a desire for God and they're asking this question, we can answer that question with so much conviction because just like you said, Danny, God is not letting bad things happen. God is bringing good even when human beings have only chose bad. Does that make sense? Dude, I love that you brought in the goodness of God there because I remember a quote and it said this. It says, if you are not anchored in the goodness of God, if your heart is not anchored in the goodness of God, you will always lower your theology to match your pain. Always, always, always. Hey, say that quote one more time. Yeah, if, if your heart is not anchored in the goodness of God, you will always lower your theology to match your pain. Oh, wow. And, That's good. And, dude, it, 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 but it's so true that this has to lead back to the goodness of God. That God didn't wipe his hands of us. He could have. Oh, he, he, he would have been right in doing so. I don't deserve the mercy I've been shown. I don't. And yet, God's taken personal responsibility for my screw-ups, my mess-ups, That's the God I want on the throne of my heart. That's the God that I'm going to choose to follow. I'm going to choose to worship and I'm going to choose to bow my head to That's That's the God we serve. And if, if we wanted to answer that question truthfully, for instance, people say uh, like if God was good, fill in the blank. But, but my thought Danny is that if God was really this like bad puppeteer that everybody's making him out to be there, what would be the, motivation of a God like that to allow people to have uh, their first son being born or their first daughter being born. Like if God was really bad and he only allows bad things to happen, why is there goodness in the world? Why is there beauty for us to experience? Why do we get to see uh, mountains? Why do we get to experience an awesome beach or or, or listen to great music? Why does God let art be made? The question is really difficult because you start talking about these bad things as if they're attributed to God, but then you really yeah. have nowhere to attribute the good things. And I think that that's where people, that's exactly right. that quote just really opened up so much when you said, man, if you, 
if you ask it in that way, what you're really doing is you're lowering your theology to mask pain. And when people ask this question, what they're really saying is, if God is so awesome, why do I hurt? And, and why do I feel this way? Why do I, why do I deal with depression? Danny, why did I, I attempt suicide? Why did I, why do I choose drugs instead of life? Like all these different, why does bad, why, why do bad things happen? And the, the simple answer to that is just sin. From what I'm hearing you say, it's just like, well, because our world is so broken and that's real, yep. that's real life. So asking that maybe, maybe we change the question a little bit for this last part of the, of the podcast. Let me, let me ask you this, Danny, let's say I'm, I'm a human being. Let's say, uh, I'm Jared. I am 27 years old, about to be 28 next Wednesday. Um, and something truly bad happens to me, Danny, as a pastor, as somebody I trust, how should I approach this? Man, uh, as, uh, for you, if I, if I was, if we were sitting down together in an office and I wasn't in a quarantine and we were looking at each other's eyes and I, <laughs> you're, you're sharing with me things that things that were going wrong and, and, and that tragedy had just occurred. Um, one, I'd want to make sure that your perspective was right. Um, and, and that is, you know, oftentimes <laughs> self pity leads to us thinking that we deserve something different than, 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 than what we have that, that wow. we're somehow deserve it of certain things. Um, you know, it, the idea of what we deserve is completely broken in this world. Um, I, I read a, I read a sports article about a soccer star in Brazil that just got sentenced to jail for killing his girlfriend. And his, his final words on the stand as he was pleading for, in, in the sentencing part of the hearing was, well, God, it's not like I'm a bad person. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> Dude, you you just, just killed, your, killed girlfriend. your girlfriend. You <laughs> and and the thing is, is 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 God wanted to confirm both Old and New Testament. In Psalms fifty three, he says he says there is none good, no, not one. In in Romans yeah. chapter three, it says there is no one righteous, no, not one. And what we deserve is we deserve hell. We deserve abandonment. We, we deserve God to turn his back on us like he did to Jesus who took our sins. And for us to walk around in life saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken? Um, and that's, and so I, I, I'd say looking at you, I'd want to make sure one, that your perspective was right and that, that God, because the, the quote is this, show me how man sees God and I'll show you the most important thing about his life. It is. It's truly the most important thing. Danny, and if you a, see God, just to say really quick, I'm gonna let you finish that part. I just wanted you to say that's mm -hmm. literally that quote, that Tozer quote that you just gave is why we planted yep. view. That was literally the reason why hearing that quote changed my oh, life. I love that. That's maybe that's a different podcast episode, but I love that you just hit that quote. Keep going. Cause what you're saying was perfect. Yeah. No, yeah, no I, had, I had no idea that was it, but I, I would want to make sure that you're, you're viewing God as the fountain of your rescue and your restoration and your new chapter and not the source of your pain. And, and it, it, it's hard to be rescued by somebody that you think did this to you. It, it, it would be very difficult for you to have a love relationship with somebody that you felt was the cause of all of the hurt. It, 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 in a way, some Christians are operating that way where in their mind, they think God did something to them, but at the same time, they're serving it. It's like some kind of twisted, twisted slavehood. And, and I, I want to tell you just your perspective, Perspective has to be right. It has to be. Yeah, yeah. And then there, there are those, there are those on the other end of the coin and maybe not meaning to be wrong, but they, 
they, they, they, they say, you know, well, I'm choosing not to serve God because if God is really like this, then, then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm choosing not to serve him or I'm choosing not to believe in God because of this strategy and this, this thing that took place. You know, it, it's funny because we're in the middle of this election cycle right now. Democracy is a, a great thing, uh, but it's messed up our view of human relations with the divine. Uh, in, in the Old Testament, idolatry was I take a block of wood and I carve a figure into it and I set it somewhere. Or I take, if I'm really rich, I, I make a gold statue and I melt it into a certain shape and I, I set it up somewhere and then I worship that. But modern day idolatry is making a God in our own image. Oh, that wow. God, you must That's be, good. you must, you must be this to me. And we watch these presidential candidates shape shift for votes. Like, yes, I believe this five years ago, but now I believe in this. And right. yeah, I said that was wrong then. And now I say this is right. And really they're shape-shifting for votes. And we look up at God and say, and aren't you going to change to what I want you to be? Exactly. Romans chapter exactly. one talks about individuals who close their hearts off to God. And they say this, it says this, instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worship idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. And we try to make the creator look a whole lot more like the creation. And, and I, I'm afraid that a lot of us are really guilty of idolatry. When, in our moments when we are angriest at heaven, we may not realize that we're doing this, but we are saying, God, why can't you be more like what I want you to be? Yeah. Um, and, and so I would say, yeah, first thing, perspective. Second thing, let's make sure that our hearts aren't approaching idolatry. But then the third thing is this, and this is, you know, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you've got somebody who's going through this, it's not just enough to be right. That's a mistake I made with, with, with one of my sisters. It's not just enough to be right. Being right may win arguments, but it will not win people. It just won't. So and good. so what, what, you have, what you have to do is you have to show the compassion that your Savior is full of, that your God who did not abandon us, this mess is full of that God in our brokenness promises beauty for ashes. Um, you know, taking a look at the story of my mom, and, and I had so many unanswered questions all the way through it, but we held on and held on. And I, very honestly, my mother was raised Buddhist, came to the United States and was, was Buddhist. I never really saw a, she claimed to be Christian, but I never really saw a, a change in her life. I never saw the gospel take take, take root. I never saw any kind of evidence of a relationship with God in her life. Um, and I didn't see it until she was in her sickness. Now, am I saying God sent the sickness? Absolutely not. I'm not saying that. But, but what I'm saying is, is that. Hey, Danny, we might've lost you. Can you hear me? Hey guys, we lost Danny for a second. I'm going to pick back up on a call. He's right here. Hey Danny, can you hear us? Jared. Sorry about that. We lost you for a second. No worries. That happens in a podcast. Keep going, Danny. Yeah. What was the last thing you heard? We heard you, you were talking about um, the evidence of, of God in your mother's life and, and you, you kind of towards the end of her life, you were thinking about that and, and, just finishing that thought. Yeah, no, um, you know, towards, towards the end of her life, um, I began to see change and I, I began to see a completely different first person. I began to see somebody who, 
who whose heart began to soften. I began to see somebody who who w- there was evidence of the gospel taking root in their life. One of my one of my most cherished possessions that I have sits in an email inbox, and there's a folder called Mom. And um, near the end of her life, the only things that really worked were her eyes and her big toe. So what we did was we got her this this yeah yeah go figure. She would she'd actually go online. And we got her this magic trackpad, this giant magic trackpad, and put it at her toes, and we airplayed um, the computer to a big TV screen to where her head could be propped up looking at it. And um, when she wasn't schooling people on chess online during the day, um, what what she'd, she'd do is she'd pull up a keyboard on that screen and letter by letter type out an email to her children. Wow. And um, I grew up with a mom who really never said, I love you. Um, I grew up with a mom that didn't hold hold you when when you skinned your knee, and uh, some some of you listening are like, oh, that explains a lot. It probably <laughs> does, uh, but um, but in that, I I suddenly I suddenly saw the love of my Savior coming through my mother. That's so good. And um, they're 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 private, but they're beautiful emails. And I know I have an assurance that I will I will see her one day again. And the assurance that I have is the result of my God giving me beauty for ashes. And, um, and I, I believe so much so in holding on to that and allowing people in, and, and, and showing people, people, whether you're walking through pain, whether you're living with pain, whether there's pain coming from the inside of you, my God gives beauty for ashes. That's he so promises good. to wipe away. He promises to wipe away the old in Revelation 21 says that he'll he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death or sorrow or pain and there will be a day when this pain comes to an end there will be a day where 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 he throws death itself into the grave um and and that's that's the god that we have to not just represent but the god whose compassion must be emanating and just flowing from us in our words in how we love those who are in pain um, it's not just enough to be right. Um, you you will win arguments, but you will lose people. And so I, I'd say I'd say those are the things. What a beautiful way to end this podcast as well. Just that massive thought of man, God didn't make your brokenness or your ashes or what's hurting, but He'll make beauty from it. Um, and what a thought for us who are, who are kind of going through some difficult times right now is going, look, God did not allow it. God did not let that happen. Uh, God created free will because he knows what beauty is, but at the same time, even in your hurting and even in your pain, man, God's not only real, he's active. And, uh, what I would just say to anybody listening to this podcast is, look, we're going to post this on our, on our channel on iTunes, but also if you need prayer and I get it, you can't come to Wednesday or Sunday morning and, and get that right now. But if you need prayer, we are open. We 24 seven, we are online. Uh, we'll respond to DMS. If you need somebody to, to FaceTime you or to call you, whatever you need, that's why we exist. Our, our leaders are on standby because they're also quarantined and following the government's guidelines. That's just a disclaimer, but uh, man, we are here <laughs> to 
to walk you through your pain and to be like Danny said, that evidence of a God whose mercy and whose grace is imminent and who it's so beautiful. And we are ready and willing to show you that. So if you're listening to this podcast and you just need somebody, you, you heard this, this whole conversation and you're like, man, I've been asking myself that question, but I'm, I'm, I'm ready to have the dialogue. I'm, I need somebody in my life. I mean, DM us. Uh, so that we can get into contact with you. And we'd love to continue this conversation. Uh, Danny, thank you so much for, for giving us the last few minutes uh, of your quarantined life. And um, we appreciate the conversation. <laughs> we can't wait to have you back in view. Anything you want to, you want to leave us with Danny? No, I enjoyed this, Jared, uh, man, just people, uh, stay strong out there for sure stay strong and clean do not do not cough on anyone Uh, stay sanitary let us get through this and we can't wait to see you back on uh, on a Wednesday night but in the meantime we'll see you online we love you guys Uh, talk to you soon later